Okay, so if you don't mind starting by introducing yourself and, and talking about the trip that you're on right now in Venezuela. Uh, no, my name is Pineco, uh, gift Eugene, uh, the National Secretary of the Young Communist League of South Africa. Uh, by the way, um, 2022 marks our 100th uh, anniversary as an organization, uh, which was still continuing to celebrate even uh, the centenary of our Communist Party, which was formed in 1921 and the YCL in 1922. So while we celebrate uh, this milestone, it's important to remember that this communist are uh, international in character. So what guides us must be more about the practical international solidarity. And uh, indeed, uh, that's why uh, currently we conduct uh, this interview being in Venezuela, uh, where we are attending the fourth Congress uh, of the United uh, Socialist uh, Youth Party of Venezuela and the fifth Congress of uh, the United Socialist Party of Venezuela. And we know that uh, this is one country that uh, is faced with uh, more than uh, 100 uh, sanctions, you know, economic sanctions uh, from uh, the US led imperialism. And uh, this is not a shock, but one thing that uh, inspires us. And uh, since we've arrived here, we have seen uh, so much uh, spirit, you know, of resistance from the grassroots. Uh, to the leadership itself. So the people of Venezuela are ready to defend their sovereignty. They are ready to support uh, the government that they've elected democratically, which is the government led by Nicolas Maduro. And that is the government they recognize. So it comes as a shock when you see uh, imperialists wanting to impose their own pseudo governments uh, continue to undermine democratically elected uh, governments uh, of the world. Uh, but uh, what we have learned uh, is the spirit that is very high from the people of Venezuela. The Congress has been proceeding well, uh, where they are articulating a renewal of uh, the party itself, especially around uh, ethnic uh, ethical leadership. You know, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, across the world, corruption has become one systematic cancer that uh, collapses many organizations and many governments. And uh, they are committed uh, to fight against uh, that uh, pandemic, which is more strong and powerful than COVID-19 itself, mm -hmm. because it eats away the moral high fiber of the leadership or those that are in parliament but secondly, it limits services to the people. So it becomes a very, very a, a great experience that we are learning here. And I think it's some of the issues that I can say that they were learned and they were really inspired uh, on how the branches, uh, the grassroots level uh, of uh, the party understands the vision and the mission of the organization and where the government wants to go. 
So it's a collective effort. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, if you don't mind talking more about what you've seen in, in Venezuela and in the letter that you've sent uh, to the PSUV, the YCL wrote about American imperialism as a huge threat to Venezuela. So if you can talk more about seeing the impacts of, of American imperialism in Venezuela. Look, the situation is very bad. Uh, despite that, uh, the government is putting many efforts uh, to really change the life of the people. Uh, we've seen uh, just a few days ago, the president, uh, President Maduro has just announced a national minimum wage for the workers yeah. and an increase uh, to the pensioners. Uh, despite uh, these sanctions, but uh, I mean, just the great lesson when you travel even across the mall uh, or the shopping center, you find uh, difficulties sometimes even to can just withdraw money or be able to use your bank card because this is part of the sanctions that they are there, which makes it difficult for certain outlets you can even be able to trade freely. But again, we know that Venezuela is one of the countries rich with oil reserves. And they've been producing a lot of oil. Two days ago, the American government has just declared that they are now willing to come closer to Venezuela. But the painful thing is one, is that, uh, so what kind of a system is this where a Joe must be told by gift what he needs to do when he must go to the loo or when he must do certain things while well, an independent human being, person, because this is what we're seeing, that uh, Venezuela can be able to trade freely with other countries. There are certain deals that they've made with countries in trying to build a trade relations, but because of the sanctions, you have to get approval of the US imperialists uh, to be the ones that uh, agree or refuse. Yeah. Uh, the airlines, there are certain airlines that can't even come here on the basis of being afraid to face the same economic sanctions. So you become guilty by association. Just because you associate, you pay solidarity to the Venezuelan struggle, immediately yourself you face sanctions. And I think uh, some of the things that are happening currently in Ukraine and Russia, right. it's not far-fetched uh, from a uh, link to the struggles of the Latin American people, yeah. because some of the sanctions that Russia is facing, it's not a new thing because the, 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 the bourgeoisie or the imperialist media narrative uh, wants to make us believe that the whole only started last month in February, mm. but this has been an ongoing struggle. And uh, that's why, because Russia was among some of the countries that have continued to pledge solidarity, assist countries like Venezuela, Cuba, uh, on many humanitarian aids. Uh, these are part and parcel of the sanctions. So the situation in Ukraine has just been a scapegoat of the U.S. to continue to impose sanctions, which they've always wanted to impose, but they didn't know actually how 
uh, probably to introduce uh, them or to enforce them. So now the situation in Ukraine has just assisted them to enforce those uh, sanctions that they've always wanted to in uh, peace-loving countries. We've seen how uh, China suffered even when uh, uh, Google uh, decided uh, to withdraw itself, you know, and on. So this has an impact globally. So when you are within the country itself, like Venezuela, you can really feel, but what, as I've said, that the mood is very high, the people, despite the sanctions, continue uh, to support uh, their government and support the efforts by government. I mean, uh, we just uh, concluded a meeting now uh, with the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs. Mm -hmm. You know, he was sharing some good stories that... Uh, they're doing um, across, and they are open to any person who wants to invest in the country, mm. but without compromising their own socialist principles. Mm. If you come here, you are coming to my house, therefore you must live by the rules of my house. You can't want to determine or dictate what must happen in my house. Mm. And that is, I think, uh, something that we just have to learn and really condemn to say is that the US-led imperialism is nothing good uh, for the world. And we can see that generally uh, capitalism is in crisis. It does need the unity of all left forces across the world to continue to uh, entrench themselves and push harder for a new world order. And that's why while we are against war, uh, but we can't be the ones that will come out and think that we can condemn Russia because what actually President Putin has done is confronting the status quo and is trying to change the narrative of the world and bring a new world order. And I think it's one thing that we need to understand from the communist perspective. And I don't know to say is that while we push for a dialogue to happen, to take place for diplomatic engagements, but again, we must be able to say is there comes a generation of someone who's willing to confront the status quo. And I think it's what inspires us as the young communist group. Right. Absolutely. And uh, your your message of solidarity for the struggle is, is incredibly impressive. And I'm curious how the experience of South Africa and the experience of the Young Communist League fighting against apartheid and seeking solidarity, especially with a country like Cuba, has, in, has inspired your message further of now seeking solidarity with Venezuela. Uh, so can you talk more about the experience of solidarity during the anti-apartheid struggle? Look, a uh, reality is that uh, the South African struggle was never won internally only. Um, there are many countries that have played an active role of solidarity. And uh, the sanctions that years in those times that uh, the apartheid regime faced, uh, created a ground, a fertile ground where international uh, countries continue to play support by either accepting our comrades as refugees and training them, but supporting us financially with weapons and all those things uh, to fight and continue to resist. And um, that will be what inspires us to say international solidarity is not just an act, you know, that uh, you do because you enjoy it, but it's because of, it's an act of human solidarity. Mm. 
especially of uh, common countries that share the same perspective in difficult times and in good times. And indeed, the support that we received in South Africa during those years is what continues to make us that we owe the world you know, to give the same support and active solidarity that we have seen. As we speak, uh, two days ago, uh, one of the first secretaries of the Communist Youth of Ukraine has been arrested. You know, and uh, you can see the persecution continues and when you analyze the reasons behind the arrest, it's very, very shocking mm. because he's accused of being a propagandist He's accused of uh, being a Russian spy and Belarus spies, uh, but there's no fundamental reasoning. Uh, and we know these uh, countries have always, by disguise, by lies, create wars. So through their own propaganda machinery, the narrative becomes uh, lying. And then because it's not countered, it starts to be believed as the truth. Really? And you can see now the uh, suspensions of Reuters, uh, the RT uh, in many channels. Uh, back home in South Africa, it was shocking that multi-choice, which is a body um, that uh, controls uh, the licensing of our TV channels, was mandated uh, outside the country by the UK to shut down RT. Uh, channel. So this, this, these are some of the things that it says that we'll continue to fight, we'll continue to make sure that uh, we use what we have learned during the upper third time uh, mm. to give solidarity back to all of First Nations and to continue to say that we are with the struggles, the same working class in the U.S. have become victims because the obsession of U.S. Uh, about other countries had made them even to fail to respond adequately to the COVID-19 pandemic, where many of our workers in that country, working class, have become victims, have lost their lives because the government could not be able to respond uh, to the situation because instead of focusing even on primary health care domestically, it's busy pulling all other countries and wanting to be seen as the best uh, country that understand international law while actually they've undermined it to the latter. Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and that brings up an interesting point, I think, of this term that people started using recently of vaccine apartheid. And I thought that was fascinating that the term apartheid was being used to describe the prevention of access for vaccines for many African countries. And then instead you had to see a country like Cuba, a country like China have to be internationalist and have to provide the vaccines for, uh, for other nations in the global South. So how, how did the COVID pandemic also impact this solidarity, this internationalism that the YCL has in resisting the vaccine apartheid? I want to agree with you, Joe, that uh, indeed um, in the country we have come to coordinate uh, vaccine imperialism mm. because it's only the Western countries that continue to have a leeway on distribution of uh, these vaccines and even determining what kind of a vaccine is needed for a particular country. Mm. Uh, when you go uh, to our country, we have a regulating body uh, which we call it the SAPRA, uh, South African Health Authority. 
which refused uh, to grant uh, 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 Russia a uh, license to can bring a Sputnik, uh, even vaccines produced uh, in Cuba or China. And this continues to show that uh, this uh, imperialist has no respect, you know, for human aims, even in the midst of all countries working together to fight against and the global pandemic, they still use this thing for profit making. They continue to undermine the sovereignty of countries through a, 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 this a vaccine rollout. And if you check, some of their counterparts or their allies like Brazil, the right-wing government, we saw a lot of working class dying there because they never took a serious these things. They just uh, approved things uh, very simple, uh, but this has defeated the efforts by all peace-loving countries to fight against uh, this uh, uh, pandemic. And I think as the YCL will continue to condemn this uh, vaccine imperialism, and we have said that no countries have a choice uh, to choose what kind of a vaccine it is because it can only be the private a sector that will be able to access any vaccine based on their capacity because they control the economy of any country, but we should be able to allow the same democratically elected governments to have their own choice of how they want to relate with countries and how. So probably maybe it's the high time that uh, some of uh, the left countries will start to sanction the US itself actually and start to hit back uh, in some of the relations so cancel, uh, terminate uh, some of the trade relations that are there because uh, these uh, uh, countries, they don't have respect for human life. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of us, we should be working together to save more lives and to make sure that we preserve life. Uh, but what we have seen, and which obviously, I mean, capitalism is inherently corrupt. Mm -hmm. So it's not a shock uh, of what is happening across the world and how these pharmaceutical companies, especially the U.S. owned, continues to bully uh, the world, even giving direction to the World Health Organization on how it needs to operate and all. Because we know that uh, all these international bodies uh, can be delinked uh, from uh, what is happening politically. And obviously the ruling class will continue using uh, these uh, institutions, especially because they are not transformed uh, to exert and entrench uh, their ideas across the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think some, something most interesting that, that you're emphasizing, and I think the discussion with the Venezuelan party as well, your parties have a huge emphasis on anti-imperialism, on anti-colonialism, on multipolarism as well, making a multipolar world. Uh, how do you think that your experiences in South Africa, in Venezuela, and in Cuba as well, inform the Communist Party to promote a, an anti-imperialist message as well and make- I, I think I'm, 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 I'm losing you a bit. Okay. I'm losing you a bit. Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, so my question is just uh, how your parties use uh, anti-imperialism as part of your specific message being, you know, part of the global south and how you make anti-imperialism a part of a, a communist program. Look, uh, through uh, some of um, the left uh, associations like World Democratic, uh, uh, World Federation for the Democratic Youth, which we subscribe to, 
it's able to bring us together as the left uh, aligned uh, forces uh, to continue to strengthen uh, the fight against imperialism because alone will not survive, alone will not win. And it needs a unit of these forces because that's how themselves, they continue to group themselves as the superpowers and continue to undermine any emerging economy, continue to undermine any uh, a, a block that uh, seems to bring a different uh, narrative. Uh, so working together with all parties, uh, communist uh, party of the USA, um, and communist leader there, uh, we continue to share the perspectives. We are able to understand indeed what uh, exchange programs uh, that we can have to make sure that we work together uh, to strengthen our fight against imperialism because um, how we approach uh, the situation may not be the way that the uh, pro-left forces through the same machinery like the Kada channel, we continue to make our voices heard uh, that we can able to say this is an active fact of solidarity that we do in Africa as a region. This is what we do. And I think one of the key uh, aspects was when uh, Hufti was able to establish regional structures mm -hmm. so that they were able to decentralize the work that happens centrally uh, in each and every region, in the making sure that we confront uh, the West and then the global South is able to unite and uh, take the fight uh, back uh, to the same uh, architects of uh, this uh, brutal uh, system. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I'm really interested in the exchange programs you're talking about. So how do these help develop cadres within the Obviously, by getting this internationalist experience, traveling to another country, how has that helped? Even you personally helped, you know, broaden your understanding of communism. And what lessons will you take back? Uh, I'm sure you've done a lot of traveling, but how do you take your lessons internationally and and bring them back to South Africa to use them? Look, you can't uh, rely only on the media narrative as an ideological person or communist who wants to confront the status quo. Mm. So indeed, uh, this uh, travel across the world gives you the real sense. You know, you are able to interact even with the citizens to understand the systems that it works, how they are able to resist, how they are able to uh, diplomatically confront certain things. And that on itself develops your attitude and approach uh, to these issues. And now you start to say, even as an organization, because we're able to have bilateral meetings with many communist youth organizations across the world, then you start to understand the situation correctly, what is happening. Then now the same people are able to share with you to say, look, this is the support we need. This is how we can approach. And the recent uh, situation, So we were able to immediately create a centralized approach uh, where there was a clear mandate for all uh, organizations that are subscribing to Rufti to issue their statement in solidarity with the communist youth of Ukraine and calling for the release, for an example, for Comrade Mikhail, uh, continuing to write letters and approach uh, our government 
uh, international uh, departments uh, to take a posture to compel uh, the fastest uh, government of Ukraine to release uh, those. These are some of the examples of practical uh, approaches that uh, the exchange programs and continue to be organized we're able to get such as this business, what we can be able to do as a singing force. When we release a statement to mobilize all other communities, youth organizations across the world to say, look, this is the, what the, the working class in Africa is faced with. This is what the brutality in Swaziland is happening. So we, we request you to cite an endorsement letter to say you are part and parcel of these struggles and condemning these brutal actions of the regime then you start to have a more stronger voice because it is no longer yourself, but we have a common approach to these issues. And you may take it lightly. I mean, in 2019, we're here in Venezuela uh, attending the Hofti uh, National uh, Council. And we made a clear call uh, for the release of Lula da Silva. Mm. Uh, of uh, Lula da Silva, um, then, uh, Ultimately, it was released because of the same international pressures. As I've said, it was not because of uh, we fought alone uh, to defeat uh, the apartheid regime, but it's because of the pressure that uh, the international forces uh, uh, pushed and put pressure. So because of the pressure, ultimately, um, the apartheid government could be able to succumb and be ready to go to the table for the negotiations and engagements. And ultimately, we got a democratic breakthrough. So this just shows you the aspects of the importance of international solidarity and cooperation amongst um, uh, left uh, forces and making sure that we really confront uh, this uh, system. Mm. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I, I'm curious, you mentioned the struggle in, uh, in Swaziland. We, we were able to talk to the Communist Party of Swaziland and do an interview about their struggle. But I'm curious about the, from your perspective, the struggle of the uh, African working class as a whole. What are your connections and, and your solidarity within the continent itself for the struggle in Swaziland, the Communist Party in Kenya, their movement, uh, other struggles, a struggle in West Africa against the French, you know, that kind of solidarity in Africa. Yes, yes. Uh, look, we are working very hard, especially through our mother body, the South African Communist Party, uh, to make sure that they were able to work uh, through ALNEF, uh, all African yes. network and uh, left network, uh, to advance uh, the left agenda and even establish uh, communist parties uh, that will confront directly because uh, historically we have worked with liberation movements, but uh, surely these liberation movements, as they start to take power in government, some of them start to be infiltrated, start mm -hmm. to change even their ideological perspective and what, and it starts to reverse the gains that we've done, even in the interest of the working class mm -hmm. and the poor. So working with the Communist Party of Swaziland, yes, the liberation movement there in Swaziland, we continue to give support to the comrades uh, because majority of the comrades uh, are still uh, seeking asylum, have run away from the country. And as even now, it seems that there can be a dialogue 
uh, about the Swaziland uh, situation. One, uh, comrades are banned, political parties are banned. So who's going to sit on the table and engage in this dialogue? So before we can even say that we are open for a dialogue to change the situation, therefore unbanned political parties allow political exiles to return to their homes so that therefore they can be able to be the ones who determine the fate and the future of their own struggles in the future because who are you going to engage in this dialogue with if you have continued to suppress? Uh, political parties in that country. We have continued uh, to make sure that uh, any person who wears a revolutionary t-shirt gets arrested, even if you're just talking, can be arrested, can be brutalized. Mm -hmm. Students are suffering and all those things. So create a fertile condition first where there's equality, then is then we can come to the table and engage. Uh, so this is some of the struggles that are counterparts the communist part of Swaziland, which is relatively youth or led by young people, and right. then were able to correctly interact with and relate with them as the YCM. And this is what has happened even in Zimbabwe, where they now established the Zimbabwe Communist Party, we've been able to at least uh, have a such. So it helps us to say that this becomes organizations that share the same ideology and perspective with us. Therefore, we can be able to confront the situation directly, even if it is done by historically progressive organizations, because sometimes as they take up power, they start to do something else. Right, right, absolutely. And I think one other example of, of your incredible solidarity internationally that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, your solidarity for the Palestinian cause uh, resisting Israeli apartheid is, is really inspiring. So, you know, if you don't mind talking as well about extending this solidarity from Africa now to the Middle East as well, and having this long, deep connection to the, the Palestinian struggle as well. Look, uh, South Africa is a country. It's uh, a country that, uh, or the continent as a whole, you can say it's a religious continent. So you need to firstly break the barriers of making even those that are from a Christian background to understand, to say the fight against the apartheid Israel is not per se the fight against religion or the beliefs that the people have done or what the Bible has brought as a narrative of this being a chosen nation, a blessed nation and what. So that's why therefore, through um, the Africa for Palestine, which is an entity that is mostly based in the country and uh, led by the progressives, uh, one of the uh, 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 founders and the directors of uh, Africa for Palestine, which uh, previously was called the BDSA uh, movement. Uh, is part of our uh, leadership structures. It's part wow. of the Young Communist League and National right. Committee uh, serves with us because therefore uh, it continues to sharpen their ideological thinking, but makes us even to internalize the struggles and therefore have that apart that now we are ready to see ourselves in the same shoes of the Palestinian because Firstly, we're a country that believes in human aid and then that respect human rights. Therefore, why would you allow the same situation that we faced a few years ago as a country where children, innocent children were brutalized and murdered and killed? 
where innocent women uh, were continuous to being subjugated, where there were borders, we could not be able to access certain areas and why. So in essence, as South Africans, that is our mirror. When you look on the Palestinian uh, situation, you see a mirror of exactly what we faced as a country. And that is why it becomes so touching and making sure that we become passionate about the Palestinian struggle and continue. Uh, to push for solidarity and condemn and uh, these things. And while we are actually now doing a lot of work, even to get even some of uh, uh, the Jews that are based in South Africa are starting to be part and parcel of the same struggle to show that indeed our battle is not against uh, the religion, but is to continue to fight the brutal system that is there that was well presided over by Netanyahu, supported by the US, and even the new prime minister continuing to exert the force. And then indeed it means ourselves, we need to strengthen our support, our solidarity to Africa for Palestine. And that's why ultimately we support her giving the change of name so that it's only is not only in South Africa where the structure must find a base and struggle because we can only limit or make the struggle to be domestic. So we need to make sure that across the entire continent, everyone understand that this struggle in the Middle East and continue to support. And we've seen how we've put countries like Afghanistan and what have been destroyed by people who claim to be architect of peace Right. democracy and freedom. And by the way, the same U.S. does not have the same democracy in law because even the electoral system of the U.S. does not necessarily speak to a participatory democracy where the people can choose willingly uh, right. what they want. So these are some of the things that maybe it's high time that we need to teach the same U.S. about democracy and what is the real. Uh, democracy and freedom. And that's why we continue to make sure that they will pledge solidarity with uh, most of these oppressed nations. And then when the U.S. continues to exert their aggression and impose the sanctions, coup d'etats and all these things, and therefore we're very close uh, to those struggles because we really indeed believe in international solidarity as the young communist league of South Africa. Mm. Mm. Well, that, that's, it's an incredible story of solidarity. And I, I think it relates to my last question, which is what message would you have coming from South Africa, being in Venezuela now to communists in the US or in the first world in general about how they can improve their own solidarity, their own internationalism, their own anti-imperialism uh, as part of being a communist uh, and have this incredible solidarity as you have in South Africa for all the struggles across the global south. Yes, yes. Indeed, we need to see more resistance from the communist youth and the communist in general, in particular in the US, because you find yourself at the center or the epicenter of imperialism. Mm. superpower, the one that exerts force and lead all these Western forces. So therefore, your continued resilience and continuing to expose and confront that inspires all of us and give us more energy indeed uh, to continue with the struggle and to use all our international bodies that are left aligned to make sure that indeed we can show that uh, there is still hope uh, of a better new world order 
they still hope of a new system that they can really respect human rights and continue to place solidarity because through the countries in the Latin America, like Cuba, Venezuela, we have seen that the resistance and what, but they've continued to take services to their people. Uh, primary healthcare, when you come to Venezuela, their education is free and this is quality education. Uh, that produces a lot of engineers and all these things. You check their primary health care, uh, very good quality, and all those in uh, Cuba and all other uh, socialist countries. And therefore, this has become an inspiration to the whole world because after the collapse, of the Soviet Union, everyone just got demoralized and said, no, there's no longer any world order that can come. And hence, we say that let us continue to unite and understand even the current situation in Ukraine and Russia, that while we continue, yes, to call for dialogues and what, but we must pledge solidarity with all the forces in Russia, led by President Putin, to make sure that he's confronting the status quo to really transform uh, the world. Because as Karl Marx have said, that many have interpreted the world, but a man has came to transform it. So this is one uh, a, 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 a catalyst. This is one person that has taken that step of transforming the world and it needs all our support. And we need to build on what is happening to say, let all communists across the world all peace-loving nations unite and to continue to support each other in the fight against imperialism, fascism, and continue to confront neoliberalism and that they continue to want to rule the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I totally agree about transforming the world. It's the imperative for, for all communists. So I, I want to say thank you so much because this was incredible to hear from you to hear your experience in Venezuela. And uh, I would just like to say uh, thank you so much. Um, enjoy the rest of your time at the Congress and and any uh, any photographs or any information that you wanna send my way will continue to publish because it's an, an incredible example of international solidarity. And uh, I'll be in, in uh, South Africa probably this summer. Uh, so if you're, if you're back in South Africa, I would love to go and, and interact. Wow. And do an interview in person would be fantastic. No, no, that would be great. I will take care of you and indeed you'll be able to see uh, the good of South Africa and uh, our own perspective, but even socially, uh, we are able to take you even to the Sparta camps, you see uh -huh. uh, how the working class uh, continues to suffer. Uh, despite yes, uh, attaining some democratic breakthroughs, but uh, there's still a lot that needs to happen. Obviously, in the best interest of uh, the workers and working class and the poor, and which is the struggle that uh, we must just uh, continue pushing. And uh, we highly appreciate this time, and uh, we hope that uh, many countries must continue to support uh, such journals because this becomes a counter narrative of what uh, the bourgeois media continues. So to bring and feed our people. So we really need to support uh, such channels like the Kedas channel in making sure that there's a left uh, print uh, media, you continue uh, to be supported in exposing this uh, brutal uh, system. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we appreciate all your support. So thank you so much, comrade, and enjoy the rest of the Congress in Venezuela.
No, no, thank you, thank you. I think if we can manage to take some uh, pictures from the side as the host, uh, so that we uh, will even to share uh, while we're still there for our social media pages to show that uh, we're busy with some interviews there and we'll get uh, done. Excellent. All right, thank you so much. Enjoy it. Yeah. Bye. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.